this is Ricky and welcome back to another episode of Gray Matters. Hi everyone, this is Charmaine. Thank you for joining us. So today's episode, I'm going to get into representation. I know we talk a lot about representation, but this um, relates to a lot of other episodes we've talked about. We love talking about the media. So this is going to be another episode where we discuss the media um, and specifically how Muslims and Muslim characters have been represented or not represented in the media, specifically in Western or media within like the US, UK, Canada, Australia. Um, I'm specifically referencing a specific report that was issued recently in September of this year, 2022, by the USC Annenberg Inclusion Initiative. So through this study, researchers investigated 200 top-rated television shows from 2018 and 2019 that aired in four countries, and it surveyed over 8,885 characters with speaking roles. And what they found was that there's a large numbers deficit, but the majority of the Muslim characters were depicted as adult um, men from the MENA region, which is Middle Eastern North Africa, despite the fact that Muslims are one of the most racially and ethnically diverse religious groups in the world. But um, I've talked about this before, about how Muslims are often seen as kind of in interchangeable with um, Arabs or people from the MENA region. Um, of course, as one can anticipate, a lot of these characters were linked to violent acts and behaviors. Um, over 30% of the 98 Muslim characters were per perpetrators of violence, while nearly 40% were targets of such attacks. Less than a third were portrayed as negative, I'm sorry, as native English speakers. Um, so that continues to perpetuate this idea of Muslims as others or as foreigners. Um... So that's just a few things that it found. There's so many more things that this study has found. Um, this article that I'm citing specifically is um, an NPR article um, that has been written. Um, but one of the interesting things is that a lot of the characters, a lot of the actors, I should say, that portray the Muslim characters are not actually Muslim, Muslim themselves. So you have an erasing of actual Muslim people that are in casting. Um, and then of course, let's connect this back to gender, um, topic we love to talk about. So the ratio of these Muslim characters of male characters to female characters in the TV shows were 174 male characters to one female character. That is such a huge disparity. Um, and then of course, when the women and girl characters, if they do appear, they're often fearful or endangered. Um, and we have a massive disparity again, where there was very few characters identified as LGBTQIA Muslims and the women or girl characters had very few speaking roles. Um, so there's a lot of perpetuation of stereotypes and archetypes within these character roles. Um, there's Islamophobia continues to be perpetuated. Yeah, it's just a really... Um, a really fascinating study. There's another article. Of course, I'm going to link all of these articles in our resources page on our on our website. Hopefully by now, you know where to find that on graymattersablog.org. Um, but one of the study's lead authors talks about how Muslims make up 25% of the world's population, but are only 1.1% of the characters and popular television series. Like that is huge. Just 
think about like the people who are consuming media but are not being represented in that media. So this is why we talk so much about representation and why holistic representation is so important because it's not just about putting Muslim people or putting Muslim facing characters on TV. It's about actually having holistic representation. And if some of y'all may remember, this is a huge part of my own research. Um, I've worked on papers and research that specifically looks at representations of Muslim women and stereotypes and archetyping of Muslim women within media, specifically in entertainment media and television programming in the US and UK. Um, but yeah, the, the study is really fascinating. This article, will, the articles I should say that I um, will link to and that I discuss in this podcast episode go into more detail about the study. And of course, you can read it and, and learn more about this as well. But it's really fascinating because it can, you know, it just tells us how it continues to perpetuate and provide evidence that the media has cast and continues to cast Muslims in the media in a negative light. Um, and this also connects to another article from September of 2021 that was done by the Pew Research Center um, that talks about how Muslims are a growing presence in the U.S. but continue to face negative views in the public. And of course, negative there's a um kind of like a boomerang effect here where it's like you're gonna have negative effects in the media and that's going to further perpetuate negative effects of people in the public and vice versa right so it's kind of this idea that like media imitates life and life imitates media but um it's just very evident of this the islamophobia that is still so rampant within the public space and within the um the media space um and I talk a lot about how it's so important to have Muslim people, Muslim people in the, like in, in the behind the scenes as well. So not just having them as characters, but also having Muslim creators that are writing the work or directing the work and then are also participating in holistic representation, if that makes sense. So I say that there's a little caveat there. You may have heard it in my voice because you may have people who are from certain backgrounds that still continue to perpetuate stereotypes, right? Like it's not like just because you're going to have a Muslim director or a Muslim actor or a Muslim writer doesn't mean that those, that they will not perpetuate stereotypes or kind of recreate a negative archetype in a series. Um, and I think that there's also a false narrative that because we have shows like Rami or Miss Marvel, which mm -hmm. feature Muslim characters and, and Muslim-centered storylines, that, oh, all of a sudden now, like, we've solved the problem of representation. Um, where this has happened in a lot of other groups as well. We see this, um, there's a UCLA study um, about the lack of Hispanic representation in the media and how portrayals of Hispanic characters are usually negative and as, crim as criminals. So... This is it kind of aligns with how people of color and um, disenfranchised groups and marginalized groups specifically within the U.S. and um, within colonized nations and settler colonizations as well, specifically are still represented in a negative light. So, yeah, I don't know. I just I'm, I'm that number is still going around in my head about the one percent, like where it's like literally we're only 1.1% 1 1 of characters in television series. And it's just like, even now when I see a Muslim character on TV, I'm just like kind of waiting with bated breath. And I'm, especially if it's a Muslim woman, I'm like, okay, 
where's the stereotype? Where's this going to go? And it's just, yeah, I don't know. I really want to talk about this study and just shows us how much work there is still yet to be done and why we still continue to talk about representation and why it's still so important. Like one TV series or one character or one executive is not going to solve the problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I had a lot of thoughts. Okay, let me try to try to bring them together. I think I think when you put things into numbers, it, it can be quite shocking, but I feel like for those of us who study media and who are like in this environment, you become very aware how just how white television actually is if that yeah. makes sense like television is still very eurocentric it's still very whitewashed in a lot of ways and just because we know like the names of a couple of famous people from marginalized groups doesn't necessarily mean that representation across the board is completely fixed like i forgot what i was watching i was watching something recently i was watching something that just came out and i was like wow this show is really really white and it's a new show <laughs> and it's a new show um when i think of the name of it i'll kind of share it but i was like wow this show is really really white and you would think in 2022 that shows wouldn't be as white as they are but unfortunately they still are very much like or maybe it was a movie i don't know i'm gonna think of it it's always shocking when you see that. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It is. And I think particularly when it comes to um, Muslim... Rep- Did I say that right? I'm always scared that I'm going to say it like the wrong way. Muslim, right? Yeah. Because yeah. there's a Muslim. wrong way. Muslim. Yeah. Muslim. S. Muslim. Less Z. More S. S. Okay, you say it. Muslim. Muslim. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Muslim. Okay. <laughs> I'm just trying to make sure I don't sound like... I know some, no, you're totally fine. I know some Muslims will say like Muslim or they'll say it with a Z, like the Anglicized version, but there's just something very Islamophobic. It just feels Islamophobic to me. So thank you for asking. Mm -hmm. I appreciate that. Muslim. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yes. Okay. Now I'm scared again. Okay. Anyways. No, you're doing great. Yeah. You're doing great. You're doing great. Okay. Muslim representation in the media is this fact that especially in the U.S. and especially in Eurocentric cultures, when you think of Muslim, you think of, you think, you like, like you said, there's a certain image of a person inside people's heads, and that image isn't, isn't holistic representation, right? Like, you think automatically someone's from the Middle region, right? But there are, there are Muslims all, all around, look, I just said it again, Muslim. Okay, there's Muslims all around the world, right? And it's not just a certain person that looks a certain way. There's not just a certain, like, that's stereotypical from the MENA region. You know, English isn't their first language. All of these stereotypes aren't necessarily true. Because, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but, like, there are people like all over the world basically that could be Muslim and it's not just the MENA region right like there there could be I don't know I can't think of there could be people in Vietnam there could Mm -hmm. be people in Russia there could be people in Australia like all around the world and it's not just the tokenized people that we know and uh, before this episode we listed those tokenized people right they are the 
full representation. And I, I feel like people, this is probably a problematic statement, but they like to, like, they lump everybody together. Like, and I see this in black representation, right? They love lumping, oh, here's your designated black person in this film. And that black person could be of, like, they could be first generation, like, African descent. That black person could be Afro-Latina. That black person could be Afro-Indigenous. Like, there's so many different ways that blackness represents itself within an identity and i feel like this might be a stretch i feel like it's the same thing for muslims like it's not just like you can't just group everybody together if that makes sense and i think that part of this lack of representation comes from that lack of people being distinctive within okay just because you're from the MENA region right doesn't necessarily mean that you're automatically Muslim and just because exactly you're Muslim yes doesn't necessarily mean that you're from the MENA region right? right like we just lump things together and because we lump things together we continue to reinforce those stereotypes that are problematic right it goes back to Islamophobia and like people not even understanding like there is a distinction like 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 not all it's like saying all people in the u.s are christian because because our thing says in god we trust so mm -hmm. it just automatically assumes everybody is christian right and i think that you know even me saying that statement sounds very like weird for people to hear oh why would you say that that's so weird but i think when it comes to representation we are doing that too like we're doing that to Muslim Americans. We're doing that to Muslims all around the world. Like we're just we're just doing that, and it has to s stop at a certain point and realize, okay, what I'm doing is problematic. And the stereotypical image I have in my head, even even the fact that not all um, Muslims Muslims women Muslim women Muslim women I I can't talk today, Charmaine. Charmaine's like, girl, can you just talk? Okay. I can't talk today. I'm just trying to make sure I say, pronounce things right, because I'm really big about that. But not all women wear hijabs. Mm -hmm. I said that right, right? Yeah. Hijab. Not all women wear hijabs, right? And exactly. Some people do wear hijabs. Yeah. And it's not. There's no one way to look Muslim or to. Yes. to yeah, exactly. Yes. But yeah. when you think of Muslim women, it's automatically people get that stereotypical image of like where you can only see their eyes and they're the you know and you're that oppressed. very like orientalist yes. notion yes. yeah which and connects you're back to oriental by your yeah. husband and like your husband got like three wives it's just very stereotypical image and we've talked about stereotypes before and why they're detrimental because what happens when you constantly see a stereotype it becomes and that's all you see it becomes your reality and you go into the real world thinking the stereotype is true so when you meet someone part of that marginalized group and you start interacting with them two things either happen that stereotype is in your head the whole time and you're like oh why aren't you fitting the stereotype if that person doesn't fit the stereotype and you become very stuck in that stereotype or it's kind of a shock for you you're like oh Mm -hmm. You're not the stereotype. Yeah. You're like, oh yeah, I'm not stereotype versus a stereotype. And there's there's many different types of Muslims around the world. And it's not just what you see on TV. Yeah. It's not just the bad guys in the 9-11 movie that are like 
you're, you're blaming for 9-11, right? Mm-hmm. It's not just the one woman that you see in a hijab where her husband is, I don't know, beating her and very, and she's so oppressed and she needs a white savior to come and save her, right? It's not these stereotypical images. And it's not even everybody from, like, even, we were talking about this before, even representations in shows, right? Like, I, I don't know how, how I'm going to put this, but it's not just from one place, right? They're not, di- Muslims aren't just from one place. Right? Mm-hmm. You're all yeah. over the world, and it's just, yeah. I don't know. And that's, know. that stereotyping is very detrimental too, right? Because it has real life effects. Like, yeah. th- there are studies that show, I know one of the articles that I'll link talks about the, like, real life detrimental effects of that and how Islamophobia mm-hmm. is fueled by that media representation like I talked about earlier and it's the same thing with like the way that you know black men have been portrayed in the media Mm -hmm. right like it has real life consequences for Mm -hmm. those people and it's not like the stereotyping goes so much further beyond just oh this is just it's not real life it's just tv or it's just film but it's not yeah it goes so much more like beyond that and if in in dismantling the white gaze and dismantling that like like hegemony within media is so important in order to achieve holistic representation Mm -hmm. and it's always going to be evolving I think that's the other thing like it's always going to be evolving there's no end result because Mm -hmm. there will always be a need for change there will always be a need for growth and adaptation and what may be acceptable or achievable or like our goal for today will change that's inevitable Mm -hmm. we're society if we don't change and we're stagnant, that's a problem, you know? Yeah. yeah. And it's kind of like, it reminded me what you were saying about how there's certain people that become like the token Mm -hmm. people for that group. I feel like it's so true. Like one actor from that group will like, and that's, they'll be like the poster childs for representation for everything in that group. And you will see them everywhere. And this Mm -hmm. happens with like mainstream white actors too. Well, you'll see the same few everywhere, but it's, especially happens with actors of color mm-hmm. um where it's like it also kind of makes me think it's not super related but it makes me think about like I was listening to something they were saying they were talking about I forget who they were talking about and they were saying like oh they're not white people famous they're black famous like there's certain people that are like famous within their own communities and mm-hmm. that's okay but that doesn't mean that they're not relevant mm-hmm. and it's like yeah it makes me think of like there's like a little I'm calling it, like, the brown... I've dubbed it the brown boys club right now in Hollywood, where it's, like, you have, like, Hassan Minaj, Aziz Ansari, Riz Ahmed, um, Kamil Nanjiani, um, and then there's a couple others that kind of come and go in the UK, but these are kind of, like, more well-known, becoming, like, household... I'm using air quotes. Household names in the US, and they don't come without their own issues, especially Aziz Ansari, but they're, like you kind of have like these brown boys club and they represent Mm -hmm. Muslims and you know none of these they all have ancestry that links to South Asia actually not to well actually no let's throw in Rami because Rami Yusuf um of you know Hulu show Rami fame is um kind of in there too where he's the only one who has ancestry back to the MENA region but the other four are back are like have ancestry linked to or direct lineage to South Asia Mm-hmm. Um, but there's no women in that group. There's no mm-hmm. Muslim representation of women. Mm-hmm. And the most recent we had of that was of, um, Miss Marvel, mm-hmm. right? That's new, but she's like a younger 
like I don't think she's like breaking quite into that Hollywood club yet yeah Yeah, exactly Mm -hmm. she's pretty young and we have like another little group where we have like your brown Indian girls like you have like the Priyanka Chopra the Mindy Kaling that's like a smaller little subgroup right but they don't represent Muslim women obviously because they're their own group so but that group kind of gets mingled together. They're yeah, like the brown group, y'all. Yeah, and and it's in some ways it's like yay solidarity, but then in some ways it's like okay, but no. where's I see like the little brown boys group, and there's been like a lot of like problematic accusations to some of those men in that group, and where I shouldn't even say like accusations. Well, I guess they would be. I don't know, but I'm just it's like yay I see representation, but I'm also like, why are the women always left behind? Why are mm. we always the ones that are? It's like the like. Somebody brought this up to um, Guz Khan, who's a really popular comedian and who's kind of in this group in the UK, and he's kind of broken this threshold in the UK, and somebody tweeted at him, and, like, I really enjoy his content, and I've talked about him in, like, some of my research and his shows, and I think he's done a lot of great things for holistic representation of Muslims. I was very disappointed because he basically went after this person tweeted at him, and was just like, well, we just, you know, brown men have had it really hard. And, you know, we've been like, to, you know, ter- like branded as terrorists. And I'm like, okay, right. And women always have it harder, right? Like we're not playing oppression Olympics here. But it's like, why do, it's like almost like let the men go first, let them have it. And then y'all can wait. Like, why don't we also get representation? Mm-hmm. Like, where's my Muslim women that get to get out there? Mm-hmm. And I don't know. It's just like the little brown boys club, and it just rubs me the wrong way. Little Muslim brown boys club, and it just feels like an MSA click at any random state school, mm-hmm. and it just rubs me the wrong way. It's, and I just, I just had to talk about it. No, I feel like this is because I feel like. Sorry, because they're the ones that are deciding. I'm just gonna add one more little thing. No, I'm sorry, no, cutting no. you off. They're they're adding like they're the ones who are deciding, right? They're the voices that are speaking right now. Mm. That's why it bothers me. Okay, I'm done. Okay, no, sorry. Go ahead. I was gonna say it becomes problematic when the only representation that you have are the only the. It becomes problematic when the only representation that you have of a marginalized, and this is why intersectionality is so important. Sorry, I had to turn it. I had to. I had to bring in intersectionality with this. Bring because, it in. Because many people are like, oh well, like you, you got men be happy, and I'm like, and 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 a lot of men. I feel like this is also a patriarchal defense mechanism that they do, where they're like, oh well, we have it hard, like. There's so many videos out there, especially, and I'm going to say, this is to black men. Hello, black men. I am talking to you. Um, Where it's kind of like in order to make you fit, make within BIPOC communities, in order to make patriarchy feel better, you have to either bring down women or you have to be like, oh, it's not your time. It's like we can't all come up together it's like oh we gotta do this one at a time and you see this happen in history right kimberly crenshaw has a great 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 youtube talking about on intersectionality and it, it, it i i think you know in her in her i think we linked it in our intersectionality i episode. think we did too in her talk she's specifically talking about black women but i'm going to extend this to all women of color all bipoc women why let me get there i'm going to extend this because she gave a great historical approach when she was saying that you know when 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 it, when we were talking about voting right back in the day when they were trying to get voting outside of just 
white men because everything always goes to white men first but when they were trying to get it outside black women were stuck in the middle because on one hand you have white women being like how dare you allow black men to vote before us we are white women like we are we are better than them susan b anthony actually said something like this so all mm -hmm. those people praising susan b anthony go look up your history but whatever then on the other hand you have black men they were like oh um because we are closer to patriarchy like we should have the right to vote before anybody else like you know, they pull out the patriarchy card just like white women pull out the white card. You know, it's like yep. pulling out these cards. And then what card do women of color have to pull out? Nothing. We don't have no cards to pull out of ours because no we, we are not in proximity to whiteness. We are not in proximity to patriarchy. And I think that this is, in, this is so important when talking about issues like this because for someone to respond like that means that they are not aware of their position to patriarchy and their and privilege, privilege. Yes. that they have yes. their patriarchal privilege. I know this this title is about um, Muslims in representation, but I want to talk about Muslim women because the only representation sometimes you get of Muslim women, and I had to learn this because I had to learn this because for those who don't know, my husband is Nigerian, and like the only representation that you get of the whole African continent is that they are poor and we need to send money to save the children and the children are starving are child soldiers. That's mm -hmm. the only thing that you get from the whole continent, the whole continent and becomes probably that. And with Muslim women, the problem is that the only images that you get, why am I clapping? Sorry, the rapture came out of me. But the only images you get are those very like, like, for example, the only thing I saw in the news recently was something was happening somewhere where the women didn't want to cover their hair anymore. In Iran. Yes, mm -hmm. in Iran. And if that's the only image you get, it's problematic because then you got the white savior stereotype that comes Oh, out. I have, yes, I have a whole thing about that where it's like people who never speak up about anything, about any Muslim issues, about Islamophobia in the U.S. are all of a sudden like, women in Iran should have the right to choose, which absolutely they, they do. And, and the what the government of Iran is doing is atrocious, of course. But if that's all you ever have to say, that's that's problematic. Mm -hmm. Because what about Muslim women who are who are joyful? What about Muslim women who are just living everyday life? What about like what about these stories that humanizes Muslim women and and they're not just tokens. They're not just a sob story for you to jump on to make yourself feel better about themselves. Like mm -hmm. what about all the other representation out there and like I said before it becomes problematic even if you have representation that isn't holistic because then people get this stuck image of you like for example when you think of Africa you think oh poor starving children when literally that's not the Africa 54 54 countries mm -hmm. the damn continent mm -hmm. in that continent people that's not the whole Muslims how many Muslims are there around the world Millions. I think it's billions. Billions. It's the second largest religion. And it's, it's yeah, we're not a homogenous group. And, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, everything. I love, oh, I just love how you said that, like a defense mechanism of patriarchy. Ooh, I'm going to take that. Oh, girl, yeah, we need to put I'm that gonna, in the paper. Ooh, yes, we do. We need to put that coming yeah. soon, defense mechanism. Yeah. <laughs> and my students that are listening, you are going to hear me use that a lot more. You're going to be using it in um, class. Use that up, girl. Yeah, citation R. Willingham. Um, I, yeah, I love that. And it's also like, you know, so much of this connects back to what we were saying too. And I do have, so I, 
I'll wrap this up with this too, because I will try to end this on a positive note, but I um, am in the middle of kind of like writing a paper about representation. I've written one already and I'm writing another one about representation, part of my research. Um, and I looked at, when I was writing my first paper about representation, I compared positive or like, you know, kind of, okay, for the sake of this discussion, I'll just call it positive and negative mm-hmm. representations of Muslim women in um, these shows. And I found, I had so much difficulty finding any, like sliver of positive representation even the shows that I did like Rami like Man Like Mobeen which was created by Ghost Khan who I referenced earlier were so there's still like elements of patriarchy mm-hmm. and things or orientalism that are rooted in there that I'm like okay the women are still not the main characters so the women are still sidelined they're still in 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 proximity to like their you know brothers in the show and so yeah, there's so much more advancement that needs to happen. There's so much more that can happen. I am so the paper I am writing now focuses more on shows like Miss Marvel. Focuses on another really great show like um, We Are Lady Parts, which I believe is still streaming on Hulu. It's it's a UK based show, but it it's yeah that is literally the only show I've seen with like any semblance of like positive representation. Um, but yeah. Even that, like it's 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 like these shows are made for a white gaze. Miss mm-hmm. Marvel, I think, attempts to dismantle that. We are Lady Parts starts to dismantle that to some extent. But I, yeah, I propose that we need to um, start to dismantle more of that hegemonic gaze in order to achieve more of this holistic representation. I, yeah, there is a lot more that needs to be done. But okay, that's all I have. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you learned something. As always, get in touch with us. You know where to find us. Yeah. Yeah. That's all we can bid in this episode, y'all. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) There's more. More to come. I mean, you know, we'll we'll, we'll talk more about our research. But thank you, Ricky, for engaging in this conversation with me. Yeah. It's always a great time. And yeah, like Charmaine said, you know where to find us. Check us out and stay tuned for the next episode. Stay safe. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. We appreciate your support. You can continue to show your support by giving the podcast a five-star review, becoming a subscriber on Anchor, and following us on our website, graymattersablog.org, that's gray with an A, and on our socials, as well as sharing and commenting on our posts at Gray Matters the Blog on Instagram and TikTok. We want to connect with our Gray Matters community. If you have a comment or an inquiry about our customizable trainings and workshops, email us at graymatterstheblog at gmail.com. Stay safe, everyone, and we'll chat with you soon.